Welcome to the Two P Podcast, episode twenty-two of season three. It is I, Paula Peretta, back with another episode. Uh, we were off for a little while. GK, how are you doing? All right. <laughs> He's always all right. But anyway, um, we have these uh rare sneakers up here, so that means Sean OSD is here. What's going on? What's y'all? good, bro? What's good? Family? I haven't seen you. When the last time I saw you? Was it shortly? Was it before our world changed? Yeah, was it um at a Port Authority? Or? Mm, shortly after that. I we know to, we together at some point shortly after that, but we were consistently rocking at the Port Authority. That was fun. Yeah, that was awesome, you know, with uh Prance and uh the old show been there rocked that, you know. Yeah. We had an episode and um I think it's so funny. I remember that episode. I didn't stay for the whole episode because I had to go to. Remember, I had to go to the fashion week show. Yeah, that's right. That's <laughs> and right. I looking left, and I was like, "But uh, yeah." So um, yeah, I want I wanted you on the show because uh, you know, sneakers is a big thing in this culture, and uh, you know, once COVID started, um, it was hard to obtain any type of sneaker, so. I know, you know, you talk about sneakers and colleges and seminars and, you know, All everywhere you talk about sneakers. Yeah. So, yeah, what do you think about this whole, like, it's, everything is like a, either bot or a raffle or you have to just get lucky or, you know, get it behind the, you know, behind the door. You know what I'm saying? What's your take on that? Because I know you have something interesting to say about this. Well, I think we've decided collectively that we're only going to engage in sneakers from one perspective, which is not originally ours. We all went out and hunted for our shoes Mm -hmm. in a different way. Mm -hmm. You know, we knew we could go to certain neighborhoods to buy certain outfits and certain shoes and things like that. We come from that, you know, so in our DNA, the thrill of the hunt is there. Mm-hmm. Right, it's always been there for us. Even when we don't realize we're hunting, we subconsciously will get on a train or drive somewhere to get something from certain places that we know. That's what it's known. That's where we know to get that. Right. So the thrill of the hunt has always been in us. Our generation thrived on that. This generation of kids, the Gen Zers, and you know the folks before them, they didn't come up that way. We kind of made it easy for them. Mm-hmm. We already celebrated certain narratives. Sports already had certain narratives already celebrated. Mm. So there's already like a built-in hype that the brands have already taken advantage of, Mm -hmm. right? And at the same time, they no longer want to have that middleman there with regard to dealing in wholesale pricing and shipping to the stores and dealing with that whole thing. Mm -hmm. All these brands have realized that if a shoe was worth... Two three hundred dollars on the box, and then when it hits resale, it's doubling and tripling. I need to really streamline this process and make sure I get my the most I can from these shoes off top. Mm-hmm. So thus came the wave of direct to consumer, right. right? If I'm Nike, I'm Adidas, I'm whoever. Why do I need to have thousands of partners across the globe that I got to sell to at wholesale when our technology has already made it so that all I have to do is get it directly to you Mm -hmm. through my own app, my own website, my own distribution points. So now, a $190 shoe or a $220 shoe, all of that is mine. I don't have to sell it to anybody at wholesale anymore because Mm -hmm. I needed them for distribution. So this total shift now has happened where the brand knows that they're going to give you what you need directly. Whoever else is out there in terms of places where we really don't want to put the effort in to reach folks, we'll still have that you know, retail distribution point. But for the most part, 
the entire experience when it comes to obtaining sneakers is all about direct to consumer. Mm-hmm. So that's the apps, that's the websites, that's directly from the brand itself. How do they manage all of that, right? Mm-hmm. They don't do it well, but they're doing the best that they can in terms of creating these apps. It's like it's like they're picking and choosing their consumer, though. It's like, you know, like with the sneakers app, they have to pick you for you to buy their product. Well, you know, it's interesting that you put it that way because this is something that I've been saying for a minute. Yeah. Goes back to again what I just finished telling you in the beginning, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. About us with the thrill of the hunt, right. right? The narrative has changed now where because of these apps and these raffle systems and all of this crazy stuff that goes on online, mm-hmm. you have people actually celebrating the fact that they got to spend their own money. So you'll see on a sneakers <laughs> yeah, app, like, like, somebody goes, got them. And now they post that on their IG, Facebook. I got them. Like you're celebrating the fact that you got to spend your own money. And that's just so ridiculous to me. And then on the flip side of that, you have the people who, another L, once again. So you have all these people on both sides of it that are complaining. I didn't get the privilege to spend my own money. And hey, I got the privilege to spend my own money. Hey, I got them. And then the brand is in the middle going, we win. Whether they get the shoes or they don't. Because now you're celebrating the fact that you didn't get them Mm -hmm. by posting and bitching about it on social media. And then the person who you did give the shoes to, you gave them this little piece of artwork that says, got them. Or, you know, in the case of Adidas, Adidas does it their way, selected. You've been chosen. Yeah, to confirm that. At what point do people not realize that you're being told and given permission to spend your own money? That's where we are right now. That's exactly what this whole thing is all about, Mm -hmm. right? But then you have a whole bunch of people who are a new subset, not really new, but they're a different subset. Mm -hmm. They want the shoes, but they ain't going to go through all of that. They're not playing those games. So where are they going? They're going to resale. Mm -hmm. The resale market has grown by billions because of people who don't want to play that game but still want the shoes. Yeah, but then they're paying double and triple the price. And they don't mind. Yeah, they don't mind. They, don't. they totally don't they're mind. Like, they whatever. just want the shoes. Right. They're like, whatever. At this point, I don't have to go through Sneakers app. I don't have to go through, you know. That's why StockX, Goats, everybody, the eBays, everybody has grown exponentially, mm-hmm. especially during the pandemic because people just want the shoes. Yeah. And, so, and they couldn't go into the store and actually get the shoe right. during well, the pandemic. Well, they wasn't going to be able to do that anyway. Yeah. Because of what we just said about how the brands are approaching getting stuff to the consumers. Right. So everything has been steered towards the end game, which is you're going to have to, if you don't want to play the whole feeling privileged to spend your own money game through the apps, you're going to have to go to the GOAT, StockX, everybody else, and you're going to pay what they're asking for. Mm-hmm. And people are doing it. It's worked. I'm trying to kind of figure out like where this all started in my mind. <clears throat> like the whole like exclusivity of it on this level. So for me, like the Nike ID store, was a street. Mm-hmm. Like that kind of started this whole like you're lucky to be able to spend your own money here because it was like invite only. Well, I don't take that that way. The reason why I don't take that that way is because you still had a whole subset of shoes that you could go out and buy. Where two fifty five Elizabeth was a club. It was basically you had to be invited in for this unique experience to make a shoe that nobody else would have. Mm-hmm. That's the piece that's key. You would have to be able to go in and you sit down with, you know, whoever was the consultants at the time. And you had to be, remember, you had to be really like on on their list of people who were super cool to do an Air Force. Yeah, yeah. My first 255 Elizabeth experience, I didn't get to do an Air Force. Oh, I still got <laughs> I got to do a dunk low, which back now people would probably cut out, cut off an arm and share a kidney mm-hmm. to do an ID dunk low at 255 Elizabeth. But I was given that as like a consolation prize. I was like, well, we're going to let you do these because we can't let you do no Air Force right now. And I was mad. I was like, yo, what do you mean? Like, <laughs> I've been waiting for like three weeks to get here to do my own custom Air Force. You're telling me you're going to give me a dunk? Okay, fine. I mean, it ended up making a crazy story out of it. But, um, and the shoes came out good, which I still have them. But that's like, I would I would be able to take that mm-hmm. because you're sitting me down and you're allowing me to do something with my own storytelling with the shoes. I okay. can take that. 
even if it's one of those things where, okay, well, we got enough people in for this week. You got to wait till next week. I already know that you're at least you're sitting down with me as a customer and you paying attention to me and you allowing me to do something from a storytelling perspective. Right. I'm good with that. That's where I love 255 Elizabeth. They got, they got a lot of money from me because of that. But right now, everybody's paying extra for everybody to look the same. Everybody's shoes is the same shoes everybody wants. So the same thing happens, though. Like, when you take something like Elizabeth Street, like, when I did my Air Force One lows, I didn't put a gold check on them because everybody had the gold check. It just matters what circle you're in. You know, you could say everybody has the same thing, but if you're amongst those people, which are the people you have to be amongst in order to obtain you know, the invitation to this club or whatever. Oh, yeah, there was then, gatekeepers. You know, I get what you're saying you, in that perspective. There's gatekeepers, You're all yes. wearing the same stuff anyway. There's so gatekeepers, like, yes. I don't know. But this is a bigger, more <laughs> worldwide version of that gatekeeper exclusivity that you're talking about. That's what I'm saying. That's what and, I think and we don't know, you know from a technological perspective or even from the brand's corporate policy perspective, we don't know what their policy is and what they do to determine who's going to be allowed to buy and who doesn't. That's where they've been able to mask that decision-making process behind the technology. Where 255 Elizabeth, it was like either you're in or you're not. And then depending on who you knew, you got walked right in. Like once you start, you got to know certain people at mm-hmm. 255 Elizabeth, it was like, okay, I'm coming back again next week. Mm-hmm. And next week. Yeah. And a week after that. But this, I don't see that happening. The technology here with the way they're picking and choosing who gets to buy versus who doesn't. And now you have to, on certain apps, you got to start interacting with people, with their content more. And you got to leave comments. And, like, it, they're setting up their own fiefdom do you over really, the shoes. Do you really think they're picking and choosing? Because I just thought it was like a lottery. You know, you get a bot and it buys more tickets. I just thought it was like numbers, you know, in my head. Well, when you're talking about bots, that's different. That's a whole different level of I'm hacking into the system that a lot of brands haven't figured out. Um, And I'm not even just talking about sneaker brands. There's like other fashion retail brands, Balenciaga's, Gucci's, everybody else. They haven't figured out bots. They'd be killing killing the inventory, like five, six hundred, whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like the bot thing. It's being talked about a lot through the sneaker lens because of everybody who complains that they can't get the shoes. Sure. But every, every as far as apparel and footwear and fashion, they all getting hit with bots. Mm-hmm. It's just not being talked about because if I can afford Gucci, Louis, everything else, the last thing I'm going to do is complain that I can't get it online. That's the case. I'm jumping in the car and I'm going to Fifth Avenue. Or I'm going to wherever my strip is. And I'm going to get the same piece. All right, I couldn't get it online. I'm still gonna go spend that two thousand dollars. Well, you got people who want to spend one ninety, two hundred dollars on a pair of shoes and can't get them, and they're like, "Oh my god, I couldn't spend my two hundred dollars." And they've been psychologically trained to now be traumatized by the fact that they can't spend their own money. It's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. I think that the strip. So you don't have the choice. I heard that Nike's going straight and cutting out all the mom and pop stores by twenty twenty two. Have you heard this? They started that initiative back in 2017. Okay. 2017. And they've slowly been doing it since then. So you're not even going to have the option to go back to like your neighborhood or wherever you know and get this, you know, to pick. You will have very it's few. Just one. Yeah. It's either you get it or you don't. You will have very few it. options. They will still have retail partners. They're sticking to about 40 globally. And that 40 is like, that could be a company that has a bunch of stores around the world or around the country. But those thousands of people who were getting Nike shoes over the years, all that shit is starting to be cut out a lot, like quickly. It's been happening since 2017. And there's actually retailers who were suing mm-hmm. because of the way they did it. Like they just got letters in the mail, like, we're no longer stocking you with Nike footwear. And their inventory was already like 75, 80% Nike in their store. Right. So, like the foot lockers and the foot action, they're, they're fine. Yeah, they're fine. Nike could. If they wanted to cut them off too, though, they're right. that big. Yeah. Where they could flip fit Foot Locker a bird and be like, and just sell direct. Right. Like you were saying, just like, fuck the middleman. It's our stuff. Right. The only reason why they do stuff like that and would keep a big partner like that is because you want to set up the kind of strategic partnerships where other people sort of do the work to sell your product. Mm-hmm. Foot Locker does the work. 
you know, all those big box stores, they do that work. They're celebrating getting the product. So they're doing their displays, they're doing events at their store. They're doing a lot of the heavy marketing lifting when you get those kind of partners. Mm -hmm. But if it was all about just, hey, new shoe is out, come get it, they wouldn't need anybody. Mm -hmm. But you still got to put some effort into selling the shoes. So you need those partners. Mm -hmm. But you don't need, you know, John's over on Utica Avenue, who's been around for 30 years. Mm -hmm. Because if John's over on Utica Avenue for 30 years decides to shut down, these people still going to get the shoes. John wasn't a really big exclusive distribution point for me. He was just one of many. So that's what they're starting to do. They're cutting off people because they're one of many. They're not an important artery for them to get the shoes out. And I just think, but yeah, and I think it is a problem because even like regular, regular release Jordans, are like selling out and you can't get them. Anymore. Yeah, the resellers buy them. Yeah, they just buy everything now. Now it's like, it's just a- I said this a long time ago in an Instagram post. Right. Reselling is the new retail. It's mm-hmm. just taking everybody too long to realize it. Right. You know, a long time ago, I was out in front of Flight Club <clears throat> and I was dropping off some things to sell. Not a lot, maybe like four pairs, right? And there's a guy... Because it's check day, so everybody's out there waiting for a check. Mm-hmm. As a guy, he rolls up. He's got, like, a pallet, right? And I'm like, start talking to him. He was the number one reseller at that point in time. So I looked at his pallet, and all he had on that pallet was general releases, general release Jordans. You know, this was maybe, like, five years ago. All GR Jordans. Mm-hmm. He was driving around... From New York City down south, he was going everywhere that he can find somebody and just buying and buying and buying. He would even buy it at a slight uptick, you know, just to get it. He was showing up with a pallet of GRs, and he was killing because he was just doing, you know, I guess quantity over quality Mm -hmm. at that point. Yeah, I always just, I found it interesting that this number one reseller was selling all GR stuff. like Because... If people know they got to go to this particular distribution point to get them, they're going to pay more. Very true. Very true. The narrative has been changed. Mm -hmm. Even the brands know that reselling is the barometer for what's hot and needs to be made for upcoming seasons. No more is that retail. They're getting rid of retail. So why am I looking to retail to tell me what's hot and what trends and what colors is going to work? When I could look at how much people are willing to pay on other platforms for triple the price. And the resellers have were the ones who were keeping the data better than the than the retailers. Sure. Johns sure. and Utica Avenue wasn't doing no data collection, no market research, no he was just going based on memory. Oh, well, last time we got those in, they flew out. Last time we got this model in, those flew out. There was no real intelligent data behind it where resellers were starting to keep intelligent data. Starting with Flight Club. Nike and Foot Lock and everybody was knocking on Flight Club's door for years. And Flight Club would be like, yo, get out of here. We don't have to talk to y'all. Beat it. We know what we sell and we know how it sells. We know when we pay out. We we know everything about how, how flipping shoes is working. Mm-hmm. And they kept that data exclusively for years. I remember plenty of times seeing them trying to come in and, you know, do that little gentle, polite stroll in. Right. to talk to people and, and try and get into that relationship with them and get that data. But now GOAT owns Flight Club mm-hmm. and Foot Locker put $150 million into GOAT. So now if I give you that much money, you know what I want. And GOAT is doing well. And they own Flight Financially, Club. Financially, they're doing well. And, uh, you know, StockX is about to go public in, right. a, in a couple months. So. And get why, ready, guys. And why are they doing that, right? Let's think about it. If I'm, if I'm, they're now more than sneakers, but we know the main bread and butter of their fame is sneakers. They're going public based on majority of the popular, of the money being made and the, and the awareness and hype behind sneakers. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. That means the rest of the world now knows, hey, you can make a lot of money in sneakers, but it ain't in retail. If you got a good bot, it's, it's in resale. Flip. I wanted to talk to you about some lawsuits. Yep. Okay. So the first one would be the lawsuits that are going on between Nike and what they call customizing the sneakers. Yep. 
it's like a very thin line between customizing and like fake to me how do you feel about that is this is this called for or well here's let's break down the fundamentals of what customization is first right nike wasn't the first to invent customize customizing shoes that was vans in 1966 so that was when you were able to take whatever fabrics wherever you go to you know the van doren rubber company out there in cali and if the material material was suitable enough and durable enough, they'd make your shoes for you. Nineteen sixty six. So, of course, because of the the narrative that Nike wants to lead you to believe in terms of them being the kings of customization through Nike ID, right? Well, we all got wind of that, and we were all excited about that, right? Everybody forgets that the original customizers in the game were all of us from hip-hop culture. We, other than the Van Doren Rubber Company in 1966, we in hip-hop created customizing sneakers because, uh, follow me, follow me down the road. Listen We were the ones who, originality and not looking like anyone else were our rules of engagement every day. So... If me, you, and Tommy were going out somewhere and I pull up on y'all and you got on blue and white suede pumas and I got on blue and white suede pumas, the rules were somebody had to change. You had to do something. If you didn't have another pair of shoes to change into, you would have to do something to your shoes, right? Change the laces, change the stripe, do something to make them individually yours. And that's from the 70s and beyond. So the real Star Wars in customization is hip hop culture. So you fast forward, right? We have Nike now who fully aware of everybody customizing shoes, right? They create Nike ID so you can exclusively customize their shoes. Okay. Right? But now you also know, just like everybody else who came up with us, the main shoes that were being customized all the time were what? Early 2000s. What were they? Air Forces. Dunks. Dunks and Forces. Right? So you have Nike ID competing with all these people who have been out here for years, customizing sneakers and making money, just customizing Dunks and Forces, which is the real genesis of what I call the second wave of like the customization renaissance, if you will. Right? While they're doing that, they're making money off of a protected trademark and service mark. That being the swoosh. You've never seen anybody take a swoosh off or do any of that stuff until later on where you start seeing folks. And and I'll even tell you honestly, as early as the, the customizers I saw in the early 2000s were doing the reverse swoosh thing that Travis Scott, Jordans and stuff and, and, and all these other guys. Yeah, you brought that I up. saw that you, uh, stuff. You, you did a post about that too. Right. Because I don't like the gentrification of our culture stories. And if I'm aware of the fact that somebody was doing something long before someone who jumps out here and claims that it was stolen from them, I'm going to correct that. I'm going to do what I can to make it known that that's trash. Mm -hmm. And Nike is within their rights to go after anybody that violates their intellectual property. Because it's theirs. Well, I guess the real question is, is, is something like, um, like what's it called, uh, Donny, Donny Bedstuy? Oh, Donnie the, the, he does, he does the, the 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 rubber dip sneakers. He does those, and he has his own sneaker that looks just like, like a, a dunk. dunk, right? Yeah, absolutely. And then there's another guy, Keto, Keto wears. Who has? Do you know what I'm talking about? Keto mm-hmm. wears the skulls. I'm aware of everybody who's doing. So this. are are those uh? customized sneakers or are they like knockoffs to you? They're knockoffs because they're taking an entire fully established sneaker model and they're not changing anything except taking the swoosh off. So what about a Bapester? The reason why Bape was not attacked is because Nike knew they didn't have their intellectual property house in order. It was obvious it was a rip. <laughs> it was fully obvious. Any Anybody knew that that was a blatant rip of an Air Force One. The reason why you didn't hear from Nike at that time was because they didn't have their, their legal house in order. They didn't have their intellectual property house in order. They learned from that. 
I mean, they're still making vapesters, though. Like, can't they just go after them now? There's probably a deal between Nike and Bape that we don't know about. Mm -hmm. There very well might be. Because that, that, that's been a well-established thing with them. But, you know, everybody else who's making these knockoff Jordan 1s and Air Force 1s and claiming that they're making them with better materials, you're still making your own version of an already established shoe by Bruce Kilgore with Nike's trademark and service mark on it. So what? You took the swoosh off. Everybody knows what that shoe is because it's been around since 1982. Well, there's supposed to be like a specific percentage that you can change something. There is, but we all know. If let's just say arguably 30% is the rule and you change it 31%. So the other 69% we're still not supposed to recognize the shoe. Like, are we stupid? You know what I mean? Like, these guys are full of it with this. Well, I changed it within the legal and creative you know, parameters of what you can do to modify a shoe. Let's stop insulting people and get an original design to the market. I know I'm a mentor to over 50 sneaker designers in this industry. I've been behind product that has made it to market. There's plenty of talent out here. If you can't design a shoe, find somebody that can and put an original shoe out. We don't need another Air Force. We don't need another Air Jordan 1. We don't need another Air Max. We don't need any of that. There's plenty of people out here who can give you something original. And if you just did the work in terms of celebrating your business and getting behind your product, you'd be able to sell something that people won't sue you for. But instead, everybody wants to play this. Oh, I'm going to make a shoe that looks like a Puma. I'm going to make a shoe that looks like an Air Force or a Dunk. But I'm going to change this much so that nobody has anything to say say to me. Like, I don't even respect that kind of logic creatively. Because I know designers who are out here who spend... 12, 15, 18 hours up working on a design for a shoe to make it to market. So all of those guys, I have no respect for any of them, and they all should be sued. Mm -hmm. oh, see, I guess we might have to agree or disagree on this. I like all that stuff, but that's me. But that's a preference. Yeah, yeah. But when you talk about the brass tacks of what they're doing, you like a shoe that intellectually, oh. property-wise, has been stolen. Oh, from that standpoint? Like, is it like intellectual property stuff? Sure, but that's why I like it. Yeah, because even on a fashion sense, now that we talking about stealing, I know uh, you know April was going through that with uh yeah, absolutely. With, April uh, with you know now following the suit against Virgil with Off White, yeah, or should I say LVMH with Off White now, um, yeah, and and Saks, you know, yeah. Yeah. and she makes a good point, you know, again, an already established designer in in fashion and ur urban fashion and streetwear. Who now, because a bigger entity has more of a machine behind them, takes and infringes on her work. Mm -hmm. And women already don't get the respect they deserve as far as creators in the space. Shout out to OG April Walker. Shout out to April. You know what I'm saying? Gotta get on one eventually. Yep. Can I ask a question about that whole thing? So my question would be is, is she is she talking about the diagonal stripes? Is that the sticking point in the design that she feels like? I can't taken? speak to what the exact claim is, but you look at that jacket that came out and you look at April's historical work, okay. you can see the stealing. So can't you just say that came off a liquor bag? No. Why not? Because it's already an established historical fashion artifact. That thing that she created was the obvious inspiration for what they created. You can see it. Nobody's going to look at a liquor bag and go, oh, Off-White got that from the liquor bag. Mm -hmm. You're going to see that. And you, because it's in the same lens as fashion, you're going to go, wait a minute. Walkerwear made a jacket with Off-White, oh. which is what happened. When so, I see it, I say, this is a liquor bag design. But, you know, that that's me. But I don't think you there's know? any liquor bag designers who got a call saying, congratulations, April. I saw your jacket that's on sale on Saks Fifth Avenue. Maybe not. Don't think that happened. <laughs> I'm willing Maybe to bet. Not. But that did happen to April. I mean, but wouldn't the liquor bag be more widespread at that point? You know, if we're Again, about you're talking about the lens of perception and exposure. Yeah, the average subjective. person who buys liquor doesn't even care what the bag looks like. They bought it for the liquor. The bag is just being carried. I care. Oh Jesus! But again, you're again. You listen. You're you're, you're seeking and you're looking at all these things creatively because you're a creator. So, you already have a different perspective on everything you come across. Sure, that's not what the rules and the laws are governed by. 
Yeah, people's see, stuff is infringed upon, it's because of what that means based on the general, average, everyday perception of people's business and commerce, not your mind. But I'm pretty sure if he did the research, like really dug deep and saw her design and then see, I mean, Off-White has a lot of designs that are ripped off of, I mean, all the sneakers are ripped off of other sneakers that came out already. I mean, it's, it's pretty, it is what it is, but. When you have privilege, resources, and big muscle behind you, it makes you lazy. Right. Because you don't have to work as hard to come up with things. And should a problem arise, you know you have certain resources to fight and fend that off that other people don't have. Right. The reason why April stood up is because of all those other people who've been ripped off that didn't have the resources to fight. I got a good one for you. Have you ever looked at the plastic bag that a Dell mouse comes in? Nope. Have you? Yes. What is it? What logo is that? Like the Dell mouse? The Dell mouse. There's a logo on that bag. I don't remember the logo. It's the recycle logo. It's the off-white logo. Like, that shit's been printed, like, decades and decades before Virgil did it. It was just on a plastic bag. But see, what we got to stop doing, and I say this respectfully, we have to stop pinpointing one or two people who are the infringers. And we got to get down to the root of why people feel it's so easy to steal from other people when originally when we all grew up, it was never about that. It was about the drive to be an individual, to create something original and stand on your own too. That's gone. That's why all of this infringement is happening because everybody has this machine behind them and they already have all of this prerequisite for success that they've seen with certain models of shoes and bags and jackets and everything. And now they're no longer sitting home and being inspired to make their own. They're sampling. Well, I think it's more than that. I think that, like, the human brain doesn't really have new ideas. It just takes what it has and remixes it. I don't agree with that. I totally don't agree with that. I mean, it's kind of proven. but I know. totally don't agree with that considering there's tons of new products that come out all the time. Even, even if they're inspired by things that already exist. That's the whole thing, inspired by things that already exist. But, but I think it, that's just the way the mind works. But collectively, that thing that you brought to the world is new. You can't say that it's not, even because it's inspired by what came before it. You came out of your parents, but you're not your parents. Sure. You're new. You're Ulysses. You're not your parents. You're not your mom and your father. Yeah, my father's Ulysses, too. Well, <laughs> in namesake. In namesake. Uh, but you get what you get what I'm coming what you get what you get where I'm coming from. You get where I'm coming from. I do. Yeah. I do. You know, so so you know, John, you can't people can't be that lazy anymore, in my opinion. This is this is the time now with mm. what has happened with COVID and right. with everybody having to sit home and reevaluate what's important to them creatively, personally, family wise, and really get on your shit, like creatively, business wise, everything. And figure this shit out while you have the time. This is my partner D and I. We call this time when COVID hit. We call it the Great Reset. D Wells. Yep. Shout out to D Wells. Shout out to D Wells. That's another another brother. We call it the Great Reset, mm-hmm. and we call it the Great Reset because this was a time where we saw everybody, like collectively, when you think about when COVID first hit, the first four or five months of it, nobody was talking about no sneakers, nothing. Nobody was talking about anything. Mm-mm. Everybody was just on like, whoa. Are we really living this existence right now? Even the brands were messed up. Right. Everybody was like, look, like nothing matters right now. Like I got to make sure I don't have this disease. I got to make sure my family doesn't have it. Like how do you get it? How do we protect ourselves? Everybody collectively was grind grind to a halt. Mm-hmm. So all of this that kicked back up is really after the first five or six months of COVID where everybody started trying to figure out, well, how do I get these shoes? I want these shoes. And, you know creatively where do i go from here and nobody's social anymore there's no social approval there's no in-person interaction it made a lot of people lazy mm-hmm. but it also made a lot of people realize what's important to them and they got on their shit and they were like yo okay it's time for me to really do this the way i've been promising myself i should do it i got no excuse i'm home all the time now mm-hmm. i i got no no enemy but myself to do this and that's where the creativity and all the new ideas should have came from. Instead, what we saw was a bunch of bootleg Air Jordans and bootleg <laughs> dunks come out. You're right about that. 
And it's all oh, trash. Boy. Like a lot of trash. It's all trash. And and high dollar trash. It's costing more than the original. Yeah, like yeah, for instance, yeah, my son wanted the black cats for his birthday. Mm-hmm. And it came they they were retro in twenty nineteen. Mm-hmm. Yep. They want six hundred dollars for them damn things. I said, uh, next next shoe, please. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not buying you a retro from twenty nineteen for six hundred dollars. That's just retarded. But that's what in his mind is acceptable. Yeah. Not in yours, because you're the one who gotta pull the card out and pay yeah, for it. But like... in his mind, that's acceptable. I'm... And to a lot of people, that's acceptable. That's why I say <clears throat> resale is the new retail. Mm-hmm. It's the new barometer for what the brands feel they'll be able to get away with. If a $600 Black Cat 4 comes out, right? Nobody, from directly from the brand. If a $600 Black Cat 4 comes out now directly from the brand, where they remix it and say, oh, we made these with Corinthian leather. and mm-hmm. <laughs> That's an old school Corinthian yeah. leather joke. But mm-hmm. if they start... Twisting it a little bit from right. a story and marketing perspective and put $600 on that box. It just came out in 2019 for retail was to what, 200 Resell is 600 Now in 2022, they put it back out and it's 650 with a new special box and a new story. It's going to be acceptable right. because of the $600 that it went for in resale when it came out in 2019. Yeah, it's fucking you know, crazy. You know what all this stuff... So this has all happened before. Like, you know, a lot of kids that are following this, like 20 years old, maybe like 15 years ago, there was a company called Gourmet. Mm-hmm. Right? I remember Gourmet. I remember Gourmet. Yep. So they would take um, Jordans, mm-hmm. they copy them, and yep. make them in canvas, yep. right? With a... Canvas bo- and... Yeah, I remember them. Yep. soles, right? Yep. And they got sued. Mm-hmm. And they had to take all their stock off the shelves. Mm-hmm. So the reason I remember it so well is because one of my friends came to my house with like four pairs of them, and he was like, "They're just giving these things away because they yeah. can't sell them." On Training the camp by Brian Park was one of the main places that sold those, and when that whole thing happened, they were like, "Get them out of here!" Yeah, yeah, they might have came from there. Possible. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, we've already seen this happen. And I would pretty much foretell the same thing happening again. Absolutely. I so, totally agree with you. History repeats itself mm-hmm. when people act like it didn't happen. Right. And people are acting all the time like, oh, this hasn't happened before. I'm going to make my own Jordan. I'm going to make my own dunk. Come on. So What are we doing? Let's talk about some things that you do like. Do you actually like things anymore or no more? It has to move me. <laughs> you know? Is there to... anything in the sneaker industry you like right now? I like the future. I like the fact that my ability to teach and mentor a whole bunch of future professionals coming in on design and marketing <coughs> and all of that stuff. I like that. Well, let's talk about that. How are I you like, doing it? I like the fact that there are people out here who want to be different, who want to come into the industry and really do something Different, like the full, real, 100% definition of different, not the 20% definition of different. They want to do the 100% definition of different. They want to market shoes different. They want to make shoes different. They want a different customer. You know, those are the kind of people that, you know, through our social studies program that we're pushing into the future. We want those folks to challenge everything that they're forced to exist with right now. Sorry to cut you off, but... um have you started doing that again? I mean, I know COVID kind of, you know, shut everything down. I've actually had, we had a good couple of sessions. We had some good stuff with San Jose State University. Um, had a good couple of sessions with them, with, with Drexel, with um, a good organization called the Accessories Council. Yeah. I was busy during COVID. That's what I'm saying. So you were doing them, uh, I guess. Uh, doing virtuals. Yeah, yeah. Virtuals. we're doing virtuals. But we are getting back into Are you going to start doing campuses again? Yep. We're going to start getting back on the college campuses. And I got a really good partnership that I'm working on right now that I'm excited about. I, I'm hoping that in a week I'll be able to share. Man, because that's what I was going to ask you. Like what, what, like what you got new on the horizon? Because you always got something. You're always doing something new. You know, especially with the culture, sneaker culture. I'm plotting another exhibition. Okay. That I can give you this much. It's called Wear Every Pair. Mm-hmm. And every sneaker in the exhibition is shoes that have been beat down, crumbled, 
damaged by water, destroyed, all, all that kind of stuff. Like all of the shoes in the exhibition are damaged and destroyed in some way. Mm. And the exhibition is going to be called Wear Every Pair. So it's, it is, it's just going to be in New York? Because hmm. I know you, uh, you hmm. like to move. You like to move around. You don't have to answer it. Possible. I, I'm, I'll give you this, John. I prefer it to be in New York. Right. But there's a few partners who are open to the idea. Right. In, in ways not just physically but technologically where this one could reach the world faster. Because the last thing you did, it was in Coney Island, right? Or what, I, what was that thing you you you, you I were did a part a sneak, of? I did a sneaker event in Coney Island where we were just introducing you know an authentication product that right. that event was a disaster. Yeah, you, you didn't really work it. out the way it was supposed to. But you know, even that aspect of the industry now with authentication, I literally just this morning had to uncover and and make some folks aware of a pair of fake Travis Scott Jordan ones that they were that they bought for $300. And it was for their kid. And their kid was, you know, ready to go out into the street and wear these. And I was like, well, number 1, that's the hottest sneaker in the game right now. And number 2, it's fake. So your son was ready to go out and walk into the world with this robbery magnet on his feet that aren't even real. Right, right. You know, yeah. these kids are kids are still dying for sneakers. Yeah, I mean, yeah, because I mean, the last Travis Scott's one, they're like fifteen hundred dollars right now. Yeah, I, I I checked last night. You know, they're starting minimum this particular Travis Scott low, the new one that just came out a couple weeks ago. It's twelve hundred dollars just to start. Just basic engagement, twelve hundred dollars. So you know, I said, look, these you know, these are the things you got to look for in these kind of things. Send me the pics. Let me see this, that, and the third. And what was it that gave him away? I'm not giving that away here. <laughs> exactly. But he can't, he can't get away to trade they, secrets. They, they were not real. Right. But the person that they got them from, you know, gave them this cockamamie story about why these Travis Scott ones got into his hands and he was doing the right thing by, you know, selling them to them at this price. Which the shoes came out a couple of weeks ago. And like I said, we already seen the basic. You want to play this Travis Scott one game? You need to have twelve hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah. I feel like a fool for not paying nine hundred. Like when I had the chance. Again, back. See, this is that's a price that he's willing to pay. You can't shake your head at that. That's where we are now no, with the I business. Mean, I can because I listen. I know what I can do with nine hundred. Personally, no. Personally, we can. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. But I'm saying you can't. You can't shake your head at that in like wow, like who would do that. Yeah. Everybody's but do you doing know what it. Is? You two are the last two people I should be shaking your heads about <laughs> no, something you know, like you, that. You know like, what it is because I think we have more. Like he doesn't have any kids. It's you know what I'm saying. Like we have more responsibility. So I think when I hear about he's gonna pay nine dollars for a pair of sneakers, I think that's crazy. I don't think it's crazy just because of what everybody's willing to do these days to right, obtain right. the shoes. You know, again, yeah, you know, true. the barometer is is and rules of engagement are different. So. He tells me he paid pair paid nine hundred dollars for a pair of Travis Scott ones. I want to see the shoes. Right. I want to inspect them. I'm mm-hmm. like, yo, let me see them joints. Yeah, because there there is fake swimming in the. the There's a lot of Travis folks. Scott one fakes yeah. out here, lows yeah. and highs. Yeah. There's fakes. Flight clubs got fakes too. Man, like I'm just saying, it is floating all over the place because, you know, like whatever. I probably shouldn't even say, but yeah, just be aware. Mm-hmm. That uh, even though something might be authenticated, it may not be real. Right. There's rules to engagement on everything, mm-hmm. and there's there's everything that you there's you have to be aware of all the things that you should be checking for when you buying shoes in certain places. That's just for that kind of money. That's that's part of the experience now. That's why everybody has their quote unquote authentication. Yeah. I mean, once you go, you know? for me, once you go past four hundred, you gotta like check because it could be a fake. I mean, there's basic things you check on a hundred dollar shoe. It's yeah. just certain things that you know that the brands do as part of you know making you aware of that of their product and mm-hmm. their process. You know, there's stamps inside boxes. Things are, there's codes on labels. There's all kind of things you can check. But that's a lot of work for something that people just want to wear so that they can say, ooh, look, I got them. Me too. You know? 
like how many pairs of flipping Air Jordan 11s are going to come out this holiday season in December? At least a million, right? Probably something like that's a very accurate number. Now, when we grew up knowing up front that there was going to be a million pairs of something coming out, we on purpose wouldn't buy it. Mm -hmm. Sure. I agree with you. But the fact that Nike knows they can make a million pairs of a sneaker and it's going to sell out shows you that there isn't that much of a priority on individuality anymore in mm -hmm. sneaker culture. Because they would have never been able to get away with that 30, 40 years ago. Because even, uh, even with the Yeezys, they're following the Nike model. Like They're coming out every two weeks now. Yeezys are different in that there's so many diverse color schemes and themes and arrays and stuff that they get to play with. Mm -hmm. Even though you, it's all being done on, you know, a few silhouettes, you know, if a Yeezy drops on Saturday, just taking a comparison to Jordan, if a Yeezy drops on Saturday and you start walking the street, you're going to see so many different types of Yeezys on people's feet. Mm -hmm. Still all Kanye is like, oh, got to have them Yeezys. Everybody's got to have their Yeezys to be, you know, official now. Mm -hmm. But that same holiday season we're talking about, like where Nike and Jordan historically during the Christmas holiday season always release a Jordan 11. Mm -hmm. They started that, what was it, 2009 with the Space Jams. There was 500,000 pairs. Yeah, I had a pair. And then, and it was mad fakes out there of those. Yeah, Remember that? Yeah, yeah mad yeah, fakes. Yeah, 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 definitely. They, they and then every year after that, it started going up and up and up, 750,000, a million. Now they're steady at a million, probably a million plus every year when they drop an 11 every during Christmas the holiday season. Every Christmas is about season. a million of those out in the public. And just knowing that number like, like publicly, like, unconfirmed but still out there right there's a million pairs of this sneaker out there for that reason i'm like yo i'm good don't need it really don't yeah i think the last jordan 11 i really so when the cool gray 11s came out again it's like i don't know 10 years ago they're about to drop they're year. about to come out again yeah. i love the cool gray 11s and i want them so bad <laughs> so <laughs> i bought them in advance not knowing that the toe cap was this whole thing where the toe cap on the picture that they showed, you could see through with the top of it. Mm -hmm. And then in the release versions, it was filled with glue, so you couldn't see through. So mm -hmm. it's like a dead giveaway. Mm -hmm. You know, and the pair that I got, the guy must have known that this was going on. So he tried to cut the top of the toe cap mm. and fill it with glue what? afterwards. Yeah, yeah, like with a syringe or some shit. Oh, wow. And like, I just had to fucking get rid of them, you know? Like, and that just soured me. I was like, I'm never buying another Jordan again. This was... And, and that was your last one? Last one. Wow. Well, there's a in whole general. host of sneakers. I mean, you look at what's going on in China, you would be... Like amazed to know that boot that New Balance gets bootlegged heavy in China. Adidas is heavily bootlegged. You know, their copyright laws and things over there are different. Michael Jordan lost for years against China for his own brand. Mm -hmm. They were like, "Yeah, it's not similar to yours." Like your brand is Jordan in Chinese. What do you mean? Well, not good enough. You lose, Mike. He finally won. It took him a very long time to win that, but. Like, overseas, all bets are off when it comes to manufacturing this stuff and putting it out on the market. There's like a whole street. I can't remember where, what city it escapes me right now. But there's a street called Sneaker Street in one of the Asian, you know, provinces over there. And it's all bootleg. Heard about this. It's all bootleg. Everything. Everything. Wow. The entire strip is all bootleg. But if people are willing to have a look and not be questioned... And really don't have that level of integrity where they want to wear something that's authentic. Then bootlegs is still going to maintain that multi-billion dollar income that they get on every level. Because it's really all about a look for a lot of people. It's not about wearing an authentic garment or owning a piece of authentic art. Or even little stuff like buying parts for your car that are OEM. Like There's people who will buy the bootleg version of parts for their car. So, how did you feel about the Ari um, dunk lows? Remember the Newport dunks? How oh, the, the the Newport Air yeah, Force. How one. did you feel about those when they came out? That was an amazing project. I Loved think, it. Okay. Because yeah. it was an art project that wasn't a sneaker release put out for capitalism. 
that was an art project. And Ari will tell you that. Yeah, no, Ari. You know? Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. It was an art project. but like The Espo, the Espo Air Force 2 and that were both. Obviously, people don't know. The Espo, from what I hear, was really clowning Nike. That shoe was clowning Nike, and Nike didn't get the joke. Put those shoes out, and they came out amazing. And they were like, yo, these are crazy. Ari, if you look, he's taking Nike and Newport and packaging them in that project and making a statement about how everybody indulges in these things. And it was just such a deep project. The colors are Newport colors. I know. I know the yeah. whole well, thing. I mean, we're talking, but we got to talk like, you know, I, I know like other for, people on the, for the audience. is the, the reason I asked you that is because how could you like the Ari's but not like the Donnie BKs or the Ketos? Because, like again, just, Ari's was an art project that was put out for sale. That was not a sneaker put out to capitalize on making money in the sneaker industry the way everybody else is. Ari's was limited to 250 some odd pairs as an art project. That was a piece of art he released. It just happened to be sneakers because Ari loves sneakers. Right, right. But when you dig deep into the themes that put that together, it had nothing to do with sneakers at all. It had to do with the fact that we so blindly consume things and some of them are killing us. Mm-hmm. That was one of the, to me, that, that Ari sneaker was one of the greatest sneakers made of all time. And it reached the point where two big entities had to fight over who was going to sue him. <laughs> you had Newport on one side, Nike on the other, fighting over who was going to come after him for an art project. Greatest sneaker of all time to me. Shout out to Ari. It's the <laughs> homie. Yeah, shout out to Ari. Long time in OC. So you can't even put that in a comparison with an Air Kai, with with anybody. What Ari did was such on a higher level than anything that these ripoff artists are doing. We shouldn't even be having this conversation with that shoe in the same space. Ari killed that. Like, that's legendary. I wish I could find a pair now. And it's super limited now. They're off the market. And anytime they're found, they have to be submitted and destroyed. Wow. But there are people who know that, so they're holding them. They're like, yo, I'm never getting rid of no, these. No, someone I got a pair of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If Ari finds them, if somebody, if Ari has them, they find out Ari has them. Ari got to give his in. Jeez. Two big entities, two big multi-billion dollar entities had to fight over who was coming after him for him insulting them in that way. Mm-hmm. Greatest sneaker of all time for me. So let's segue. You brought some sneakers here. Yep. So uh, you you can t- talk a little bit about which ones you brought. So these are an unreleased sample right. of the Converse weapon made as a salute to Larry Johnson's career. So those are in the UNLV colors with his professional number two on there. And I thought it was something that. Well, it just says not for resale. These are samples. This shoe was never released by Converse. And recently I heard that P.J. Tucker, who's now in the Miami Heat, was a big Larry Johnson fan and came up on a pair of those. Oh, wow. Uh, Came up on a, you know, came up liking Larry Johnson. Right. But he don't have those. P.J. Tucker. Hit up <laughs> PJ don't have those. I guarantee PJ don't have those. He gets a lot of heat. Right. He don't have those. Yeah, those are crazy. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. So Larry Johnson is one of my favorite players too, and, I, and Ulysses can attest to the fact that he he back in the days gifted me a UNLV starter pullover oh, jacket. That's how we met. Yeah, yep. I love that silhouette. Okay, so speak talk about these. Now, when it comes to high-end collaborations, as of late with like Dior Jordan and everybody doing, you know, work with, you know, sneaker brands, this is my favorite, you know, quote unquote high fashion designer sneaker collaboration. This is nice. It's the MCM leather that they use on the bags. On the bags, right? Yeah. And the box. The box sold it for me too. But this particular color. This is the color that was the exclusive to MCM, only sold at the MCM stores and then, you know, gifted to celebrities and influencers. 
the other colors, there's a white and black, and then there's a color that's the same as the box right. that was sold through Puma and, and Puma distribution points. But this one was exclusive through MCM. Did these laces come like that? No, yeah. Right? yeah. Yeah. Laces yeah, came like that, too. I just don't like the white bottom. I'm not stick with white bottom. I'm not a fan of white bottom shoes either. Yeah. Obviously, because of you know where we grew up and all yeah, the shit we've yeah, had to dodge yeah. over the years, yeah, but I had to do it with this one. Yeah, I had to no, do that's it. With a good, this that's one. a good shoe. That's a good shoe. That's my favorite high end, you know, brand slash sneaker collaboration mm -hmm. of the last five years. But I have to admit, the new Adidas Prada collaboration where they remade the Prada America's Cup shoe. Those are yeah. super fucking dope. I need those. Mm. Those those are right alongside this for me. Oh wow! In in that bridge between like the classic with the Prada shoe mm. and the futuristic look of what Adidas is trying to do with their footwear, like I can go for that. And what the? Uh, and these this is this 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 is it's a lot of storytelling personally in this one, which John, I know you can relate to. <laughs> um, these are my very very limited Nightcrawler Air Max ones. I'm a big fan of Nightcrawler from the X. How many did you make? There were only when these originally were put out in 2018, excluding my pair, 15. Wow. So people took orders for 15 pairs of these from me. Right. And then over the years, if there's certain people who have a birthday. And it's like a big one, like for Rich Medina's 50th birthday, I gave him a pair. My partner, D. Wells, for his birthday, I got him a pair. He's not 50 yet, but he's 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 creeping up, right. just like the rest of us. Mm -hmm. But certain people got them for their birthday, you know. But like to release for people to buy, only 15 pair out. Wow. Those are dope. I think I uh, didn't... Um... Uh, Keo, don't Keo? Keo has a pair. Yeah, yep. he, he posted them. He's the last one to get a pair. So I got this idea. Make a pair of sneakers. I want to make them. Mm -hmm. We'll call them the day crawlers. Mm -hmm. Right? They're going to look just like this sneaker. Check's going to be upside down. <laughs> what do you think? It's trash. Your idea's trash. <laughs> 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 I love you, and I love a lot of your ideas. <laughs> that one is trash. Jeez. I was joking with you. Yeah, I know. Show with the Hadouken. But even the box for me for this. Yeah, you show know, the box. Huh? The storytelling on the box, like, you know, I put a little bit of, you know, Nightcrawler comic strip on there on the box. The Nightcrawler patch for those of us who are still into the patches. You know, a little bit of an art play with the the old shepherd fairy. Remember the the. Mm -hmm. I know exactly. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, he killed it with exactly that. The reference. Ridiculous. Oh yeah, but everyone. Yeah, shepherd fairy. Yep. So, a little bit of you know. Before it was Obama, it was Andre the Giant. Yep. So, Sean, are you um want to bring out another shoe or this is the the last one? So. I'm moving in further into the X-Men series. So here's here's the crazy thing, right? This is the second X-Men shoe that I did. Right. I did a Professor X Air Force One in 2008. Okay. And that was part of a collection of 12 shoes that I had did playing around through Nike ID back when you had so many options. Like it was a lot of Nike and Jordan options on Nike ID back in like the early 2000s before 2010. Mm -hmm. And I picked 12 X-Men and I did a shoe for 12 X-Men. Right. And I was sitting on them thinking that I had time to do it. And just how Nike does, they wake up one day and decide, well, no, you can't buy those shoes on ID anymore. So all of the shoes, I'm talking about BWs, Jordans, Dunks, Air Max. It's like a full array of stuff that I had all these designs for. I have to post them. I still have all the printed out designs that for each character in the shoes. The Professor X was the only one I got to pull the trigger on. And I did that 
through um, 255 Elizabeth. That was the oh, last nice. 255 Elizabeth shoot that I was able to do was my Professor X Air Force one. So are you going to bring them back out again is the question. I'm going to do more. I'm just waiting to see what right now I'm totally not happy with what options Nike ID is making available, which is now Nike by you. I'm totally not happy with their options. They should be able to open the palette up. So a lot of people don't realize, a lot of people don't know this, but oh, on Nike ID, if um you're like a creator, basically, if they know you, they'll open up a different palette option for you to work with. You like why 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 didn't they open the palette up for you yet? Somebody, please open the palette up for those, Sean. Those aren't the kind of things that I really care about because I don't want to be a part of an exclusive and elite club like that because of me being who I am for the culture. So if I got to go behind closed doors and I got to have a conversation with you about something that I want to do for everybody else, then you don't want to do it for everybody else. It's still me wanting to do it for everybody else. Mm -hmm. And that's why I only work with the stuff that was available for everybody because... You know, it's like a lot of shoes, like every now and then I'm happy to have a shoe I know nobody has in terms of, you know, showcasing it and telling a story. Gotcha. You know, you know me for a long time. You know, Larry yeah, yeah. Johnson is my favorite player. So for me to put something like that on display, it's like, oh, snap. Yo, remember the starter pullover for UNLV? And, you know, stuff like that is where if it's a level of exclusivity that, you know, is just really on a higher level, I'm cool with celebrating that. But... If it's something where I want to tell a story about something like comic books or superheroes and stuff that we're all into, we've been into since kids, that needs to be accessible for everybody. So I'm only going to work with stuff where I know that like everybody feels included in being able to get it. Mm -hmm. Well, on that note, sir, we yeah. have to wrap up the show. Um, awesome time, man. Oh, yeah, man. We Listen, we could talk for hours on sneakers and stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like Awesome time. Man. I remember last time we did Been There Rock, that we was at least, I think it was a two-hour show. Yeah. So, you know, we, we'll definitely have you back. Um, where where can they find you? Best places to find me right now for the business inquiries, go on LinkedIn and hit me up. Sean Williams, you'll find me there. If it's anything from consulting and education, if it's social media where it's just, you know, I'm posting something you like or something you want to weigh in on, on Instagram it's OSD underscore paper chaser, P-A-P-E-R. C-H-A-S-R. So there's no E in Chaser. Um, you find me there. These Those two. And um, I usually get back to people fairly quickly if you're not spamming me by trying to get me into crypto and Forex. Mm -hmm. <laughs> or you're trying to get me a certified blue check, which I don't really care about. Exactly. But, you know, IG and LinkedIn are the two best places to reach me if you're serious. Mm -hmm. Or if you're serious about not being serious. Whichever. <laughs> <laughs> but we got new exhibitions coming soon um, new education initiatives and partnerships coming soon that I'm hoping I'll be able to share soon but things have been good mm -hmm. things have been good things have been productive um, I'm very happy about the place that the industry is in from a person perspective in terms of people a lot of product out here is trash mm -hmm. but from a people perspective in terms of the new crop of people I see coming in to make a difference and people who really want to like make strides in terms of diversity and inclusion and you know stuff like that I'm happy about the direction that everything is going in okay GK yeah <clears throat> so last week mm -hmm. I told people to follow me at a uh, New York Department of Subculture yeah and a few people did. Oh, nice. And I want to thank them. Okay, cool. I, it's too long to name all of them, but <laughs> I want to send a sincere thank you. Mm -hmm. And, um... You, you got anything? Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, Kest sent some stuff over, right? Yes. That was really nice of him, and I, I wear the shirt. I really appreciate that as well. Mm -hmm. And, uh, Grails by Way. Oh, they got the, yeah, the they hat. got me a the what was it? It's a golf hat. The golf, yeah, the golf hat. Okay, it's nice. It's incredible. They they're definitely the best ones doing it for that stuff. Mm -hmm. So thank you very much, guys. That's uh, it. Uh, you got anything? Any updates on uh any of the stuff you work? Cause you're working on a whole lot of stuff. 
So the update is I need to devote more time to what I'm doing because okay. like right now I should be working on my own stuff. Right, right, right. But you know, I'm I'm here. Um yeah, I say uh give me a week and I'll I'll have I'll have some stuff out. Okay, cool. All right. Uh you can find us on the Soupy Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, any podcast provider we are on, most of them. Um check out our Patreon. Uh you get the episodes um one day early if you sign up um five bucks and up. Um yeah. So we'll be back with another episode soon. Sean, thank you for coming through. We'll definitely have you on again. Salute, gentlemen. Thank y'all for having me, man. This you know, this awesome. is just another chapter in the <laughs> in the podcast history that we have. Word up. Word but up. uh, this is fun, man. We'll be back next week, guys. Ciao. Like I'm on the throughway, my belt in the crib on the floor by my two-way. Now I'm trying to